Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. John chapter 8. We'll start reading from verse number 1. The Bible says, Jesus went onto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery and in the very acts. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the elders, even unto the least. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When he lifted up himself, he saw none but the woman. He said unto her, Woman, where are those that accuse us? Has no one condemned thee? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and say no more. Now, from this passage of scripture, I want you to notice that Jesus was in the temple. The Bible says early in the morning, he came into the temple and all the people came to him. So Jesus was in the temple. And see, you see, was the presentation of the accused to the Lord in the temple. They brought the woman to the Lord Jesus Christ while Jesus was still in the temple. Number three, we see the disguise set up. A cleverly designed trap that was set by the scribes and the Pharisees intended to catch our Lord Jesus Christ through the presentation of the Lord. So these guys came, they presented, they disguised a particular situation, presented it to the Lord with the intention of trapping him. It was a setup. The scribes and the Pharisees said to Jesus in verse number 5, Moses in the law said, he commanded us that when we see these kinds of situation, we should stone that person to death. What did you say? It was a disguised setup. They were ready, they saw an opportunity, and they wanted to trap the Lord. So we see the disguise set up by the Pharisees. But our Lord Jesus Christ, knowing the intentions, the intentions of those people, initially he ignored them. But the Bible tells us that they kept on asking. They kept on pressing. They kept on pushing. And so the next thing we see is the conditional challenge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He challenged them. Our Lord Jesus Christ said to the scribes and the Pharisees, go ahead and execute this person. Go ahead and stone her. But before you do that, make sure you have no sin in your life. So there was that conditional challenge that was given to the scribes and the Pharisees. And here the Lord was saying, No, I know you are passionate about the laws of Moses, and I know that you want to make sure that everything is fine. Go ahead and stone her, kill her, but make sure you have no sin. And then finally, 
with the conditional challenge in place, they were convicted in their heart. And because they knew that they were not free of sin, the Bible says that the conviction of their heart, they simply walked away. So the Lord Jesus Christ, after seeing that those people walked away, what the Lord Jesus Christ did was that we now see the extension of grace to the person who have been accused. The Bible tells us that because of the realization that they themselves were not without sin, they left the woman alone. And when they left the woman alone, Jesus Christ now lifted us, okay, these guys who brought you here, who brought you to court, who wanted to kill you, who wanted to execute you, have they not done it? He said, no. He said, because they have not done it, and because I understand better, I myself am not here to condemn. My intention is not to kill the sinner. My intention is to bring the sinner into repentance. Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And that is a high level overview of what we read in John chapter 8 from verse 1 to verse number 11. I want you to know that the action of our Lord Jesus Christ in this scripture, there are two things I want us to separate into two actions. The first response is the response to the accusers. The response to the accusers. Jesus Christ had a specific response that he directed to the scribes and to the Pharisees. Then there also the second response was the response to the accused. Something was going on in the life of the woman. Jesus responded one way to the accused. Jesus responded another way to the accusers. But let's go to the response to the accused first. How did Jesus respond to this particular woman? For us to understand the entire context, you need to understand why Jesus was responding the way he responded. One thing you must understand that Christ's response to the woman was not an endorsement of sin. Jesus was not saying what you are doing is fine. That's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was not saying adultery was accepted. He wasn't saying living a life outside of Christ was accepted. So Jesus' response to the accused was not an endorsement of sin. Number two, it was not a tolerance for sin. Jesus was not saying you are okay to continue to do what you are doing. It was not glossing over sin. Sin is still sin. The Bible said every soul that sin shall die. But the intention of the Almighty God is not to kill, is not to destroy, but to give life and give it more abundantly. So when he came and he told the woman, go and sin no more, he was not endorsing the sin, he was not tolerating the sin, but rather the Lord Jesus Christ was recognizing the depraved nature of every one of us. In other words, we are all sinners. That's basically what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying. We all have the capacity to do what you have just done. And for those of you who are close to me, you have always heard me say that. We all have the capacity to do some of the most crazy things on earth. The only reason why we are not doing it is because we have been exposed to the mercy of God. It's because of the salvation of our soul. That is the thing that is keeping up. So Jesus' response to that accused woman was a recognition of the depraved and the fallen nature of man. Number two, Jesus' response to this particular woman was to highlight the very reason why he came. He came that we might have life. Not that he will kill the people who sin. If he were to do that, every one of us would be gone. If he were to judge us on the basis of our iniquities, none of us would be here this morning. But this was because he wanted to highlight his purpose. And what was the purpose? The purpose was to seek and to save the lost. So Jesus' response, number one, was to be able to recognize the depravity of man. Number two, to highlight his purpose. And then number three, extend and exemplify grace into the life of those who come in contact with him and accept his message. So when Jesus came and he saw the woman being accused and he saw that this is what is going on. This woman had a fallen nature. What she needed was a savior, not a condemnation. Not the beating down that the Pharisees were willing to give to her. Not the stoning to death that the Pharisees were recommending. 
But Jesus was saying, this is the daughter of Zion who has now been held under the trap and the captivity of sin. And what she needs is salvation, not destruction. And as a result, Jesus Christ said, I am willing to offer you that salvation. And that's why he said, go and sin no more. And his action was telling that woman, I understand where you're coming from. I understand the condition that you are dealing with. I understand the circumstances under which you are operating. I know that the Adamic nature is having the power over you. But go, receive the grace of God and stop living in sin. And the only reason why many of us are not engaging right now is because number one, we are afraid of being caught. Number two, the mercy of God is walking its way through our individual lives. Anytime we pray here, we say it's not because we're good. It's the mercy of the Almighty God. And the Bible tells us that we're not for the mercy of the Almighty God. Every one of us will have been consumed. The only reason why we're not engaged in heinous crime this day is simply because of the grace of God in our lives. So we have seen the first response. How the Lord Jesus Christ responded to the accused woman. Now let's take a look at how Jesus responded to the accusers. And to understand how Jesus responded to the accusers, I want you to go back to that particular book of John chapter 8. And we start reading from verse number 2. The Bible says, early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came unto him and sat down and he taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taking an adultery. And when they had sat her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taking adultery in the very acts. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? Here the Bible is telling us that they brought this woman caught in adultery to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the question is why? They were all in the temple. Jesus was not one of the officials. Jesus had no authority to be able to judge anybody in the temple. There were temple officials there. The Pharisees and the leaders of the temple were there. Why did these people circumvent all the leadership and came to Christ? Why? Why did they bring the woman to Christ Jesus? Jesus had no legal authority to judge anybody. The scribes and the Pharisees knew. They knew all that. They knew that Jesus could not do anything for this woman. But what they did was they sidestep all the authority and they brought her. And the question is why? One thing I can assure you is this. They brought this woman to Lord Jesus Christ not because they were concerned for the laws of Moses. No. They were not concerned for the laws of Moses. Because the Bible makes us to understand that this particular person, if you are in the temple, there is grace available, even in the laws of Moses. That when people come to the temple, their sins are supposed to be what? They can atone for them. And if you are really interested in keeping the laws of Moses, you are supposed to help that particular woman. So they were not concerned about the laws of Moses. These people did not bring the woman to Christ because they wanted to uphold that particular law. And if you want to uphold the law, you don't bring the person to stone that person inside the church. You take him outside. They were not interested in the laws of Moses. They were not interested in upholding the laws of Moses. And finally, they were not interested in the moral purity of the community. Because if they were interested in the moral purity of the community, you would bring the man also. Because the woman couldn't do it by herself. You could have brought the woman, brought the man and said, okay, these are the people who are messing up the community. We need to deal with them. But they were not interested in the purity of the community. That was not their goal. So if they were not concerned about the law or the upholding of the law or the moral purity of the community, why did they drag this woman to the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ? Let me suggest to you that they dragged this woman to the Lord Jesus Christ because number one, they wanted to set up the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse number five, John chapter eight. The Bible said, now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? That was a setup. 
if you already knew what Moses said and what you are supposed to do based on what Moses said, why are you asking Jesus? You already know what you are supposed to do. You know what the laws are saying. You know the action you are supposed to take. Why are you bringing it to Jesus? You want Jesus to say something different? You want him to create a new law? So it was a setup. That was the reason they dragged this woman to the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, the scribes and the Pharisees brought this woman to the Lord Jesus Christ so that they can discredit the Lord Jesus Christ. Their intention, the Bible makes us to understand, they brought him so that they were able to find a way to accuse him. They wanted to trap him. They wanted to discredit him. And their thinking was very simple. We have boxed this guy to a corner. Now, this law is clear on this particular issue. We caught this woman in adultery. The law says, stone this woman. Let's see what this guy who thinks he knows everything will say. If Jesus said, don't stone her, they will say, eh? You are violating the established laws of Moses. That discredits him spiritually because they tell him that he doesn't respect the law. If he said, stone her, they say, look at this human being. You are the one preaching love. Love your neighbor, love yourself. Now you are saying this woman should be killed? Whichever way that Jesus Christ went, in their own calculation, this guy is toast. He's not going anywhere. We already have him boxed. We already have him cornered. Because we want to discredit. That was their goal. That was their intention. They brought the woman to trap and to discredit him. And then finally they brought the woman. The reason they brought her was so that they can find an opportunity to accuse and to frame the Lord Jesus Christ. Because all you have to do was to say, look at what this guy did. He has no respect for the law or he has no compassion for the people. Whichever way Jesus Christ went, they were ready for him. That was the intention. To be able to accuse and to frame him. They were looking for evidence against him. They were looking for evidence to be able to make sure to discredit him. They were hoping that he was going to walk right into that trap and not be able to get out. That was what their thinking was. Bible tells us that Jesus Christ initially ignored them. Say, so you guys have no experience. I am the ancient of days. From the very beginning, before the beginning was, I was there. So all this, your puny brain, you think you're smart? I already know where you're going. The Bible says he's the one that knows the end from the very beginning. But instead, they insisted and they wanted an answer. If they had left and went away like that, they would have had an argument that the man did not respond. But they kept on pushing. They kept on pushing. And eventually, the Bible tells us, Jesus said unto them, well, if you know the law, go ahead and stone. But before you do, make sure you don't have any sin in your heart. And they knew that they had sin. So what happened? The Bible tells us that they began to fizzle out. They responded by disappearing one after the other. The question that comes to mind is that, why did Jesus take the approach that he took with these people? Why did he respond to the Pharisees and the scribes the way he did? Let me suggest to you that he took that particular approach. He responded to them with a challenge simply because our Lord Jesus Christ knew one or two things about accusers. He understood how accusers operate. Remember, the chief of all the accusers was with him in heaven. He was one of the first ones who rebelled in heaven and took a third of the angels with him. So he knew one or two things about the accuser. And he knew, number one, that accusers are often hypocritical in their action. The Bible says that if a man says he loved the Lord and hates his brother, he's a liar. And these people, they hate him and he knows. He knows that they're liars. So Jesus Christ responded because he knew that accusers are often hypocritical. Number two, our Lord Jesus Christ responded with a challenge because Jesus understood that accusers are number one. They are very good at deflecting. They are master deflectors. 
they will never ever focus on their own problem. They will focus on others. And that's why Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 7. He said, why do you see the speck in your brother's eyes? But you do not notice the log in your own eyes. And because you don't want people to see the log in your own eyes. You keep on pointing to the fault and the mistakes of other people. It doesn't mean that those mistakes don't exist. It just means that instead of you focusing on your own problem. You are more concerned with what other people are doing. To deflect attention away from So Jesus knew that. That these guys are very good at deflecting. So, he responded the way he responded. Number three, why did Jesus respond with a challenge? He responded with a challenge because he knew that apart from being a deflector, these people are master at projecting. And what do I mean by projecting? They are the ones that accuse you of exactly what they are doing. They call you a liar because they themselves are liars. They call you an adulterer because they themselves are adulterers. Everything that they are doing is exactly what they accuse you of doing. And the reason is to deflect attention away from themselves or to make you look bad or make you look worse than you actually are. So Jesus knew that these guys are hypocritical. He knew that they were deflectors. He knew they love to project their own issues into the life of other people. And he knew he responded the way he responded because he knows that accusers love to focus and exaggerate the fault of other people. They will take somebody's problem and they will amplify it so big to make that person look as the worst person. But they will never talk about their own. Never. And if you confront them with their own problem, they just keep quiet. They just move on to the next thing. And we see that in our culture today. So Jesus Christ understood that. Jesus understood that. He understood, number one, that they are hypocritical. He knew that they are master deflector. He knew that they love to project their problems into the life of other people. He also knew that they love to exaggerate. But most importantly, he knew that they love to discredit other people. Our people used to say that if you want to kill a dog, you call it mad. So that you can kill it. You give a dog a bad name so that you can kill it. And that's what these people are good at. They are excellent at destroying the reputation of other people. They are excellent at calling people what they are not. They are excellent at leveling people. They are excellent at making sure they discredit and demean individuals so that people don't want to associate with them. The point we are making is that Jesus understood the people he was dealing with. He understood how they function. He understood their characters. And so initially, we just let them go. But not only that, Jesus responded the way he responded to them because he knew that accusers always love to employ what is called selective justice. They pick certain things they want to focus on and they leave certain things alone. Jesus Christ told them, he said, when you are focusing on all these things, he said, why don't you focus on the weightier matters of the law instead of you wasting your time doing all these things? I'm not saying these things are not important, but I'm saying give it equal importance. We focus on a particular thing as if other things are not important. We focus on a particular issue as if this is the only thing that sent a man to hell. And Jesus is saying, these people are good at selective justice. They only punish the people they don't like. They only punish the people they don't want to hear from. The people who say the things they don't want to hear, those are the people who are against the law. And Jesus knew these guys. And so, he did not pay them attention. And then finally, our Lord responded with a challenge. Because Jesus Christ understood that accusers love to be validated by the authorities. They always seek the validation of people in authority. They want to be aligned with people with power. They want to make sure that the people who have influence, people who have control over the minds of other people, they want to be in that particular camp. And when you refuse to align with them, when you refuse to speak the language that they want you to speak, what happens? You become a problem. 
And Jesus knew. He knew they wanted him to be able to toe their line. To be one of them. To be able to give them validation. To be able to make sure that they are entrenched in their position. To be able to make sure that they remain relevant in the scheme of things. But Jesus was not going to play any side. So, their intention was to destroy this guy. And their destruction was to come with all sorts of schemes and traps that they have set up. So Jesus responded because he knew accusers love to be validated by the authority. And the accusers are still using the same strategy up till this very moment. In the church, they use it. Members of the church want to get a particular thing and they are not getting their way. What happened? The pastor is insensitive to what is going on. These people are not spiritual enough. They don't know how to pray. They don't know how to do it. They will always find an excuse because something is not going their way. So the same strategy is being used. You look at it in the life of your children also. When your children are going up and they ask you for something, Daddy, give me something, Mommy, give me something. And you know you say, Daddy, don't love me anymore. That is emotional blackmail. You know that. Kids do this thing. And we do it also. You look at the promotion as well, I say, the boss doesn't like me. So the idea is that Jesus understood the character of the accusers. He knows that they do these things and these things are still being done. And it's because of the fallen nature of man. We keep doing this thing. And if you look at our culture today, like I said, the evidence is overwhelming. But Jesus knew these things. He knew these things about the accusers. And so Jesus initially decided to ignore them. And when they continue to pester him, they continue to press Jesus Christ now, they focus their attention. Their intention was that they want to distract the Lord Jesus Christ. Their intention was to be able to make sure that he doesn't do what he's supposed to do. So he refocuses his own attention. And then he denied them validation. I'm not going to engage with you in this your petty discussion. I'm not going to sit down here and debate what the law says and what the law does not say. I'm not going to give you a rationale for the decisions that I make. I'm not going to explain myself to you. You want to stone the woman? Knock yourself out. But make sure you are not a sinner when you are doing it. So Jesus understood how to deal with them. He ignored them. He dealt with them by ignoring them. He dealt with them by refocusing his own attention. He dealt with them by denying them validation. He dealt with them by challenging them. You are so smart. You know the law so much. Why don't you stone her in righteousness? Why are you stoning her out of the sin and the spitefulness that you have for me? And not only that, he responded by confronting them. Confronting them with the truth. Yes, you are so good at quoting the laws of Moses, but you forget that the laws were based on righteousness. So if you want to carry it out, make sure that you are properly aligned with the Almighty God. As soon as the Lord Jesus Christ employed this strategy, the Bible makes us to understand that the only option left for those accusers was to remain silent because they could not respond. None of them in clear conscience can say that they were free of sin. None of them. And because they remained silent, the Bible said that they recoiled. Each and every one of them from the top to the list. They started going back to their own little corner. They started going back to the place where they came from. And the question now is, who are these accusers in our midst today? Who is the accuser of our brethren? We looked at the story and we used the scribes and the Pharisees as a physical figure. But who is really the accuser? The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation chapter 12. If you start reading from verse number 10, the Bible says, And I heard a voice, a loud voice, saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. In other words, the true accuser is the enemy. The true accuser is the devil. And the accuser, how you know an accuser, is one who brings an allegation, an assertion, or a charge against the children of God. 
The one who continues to raise charges. See what they have done. See, they said they are good. These are the people you died for. They are still lying. They are still doing this. They are still. They, he keeps on looking for the things that we have done wrong. There is nothing you do on earth that is always good. They always have this critical spirit looking for what is wrong. And those are the spirits of the accuser. But the accuser is one who brings allegation, who brings assertion, who brings charges against the people of God. And the question is, how did our Lord deal with these individuals? How did he deal with the characters that were challenging him in his own day? Because Jesus knew that an accuser is one who brings allegation, assertion, and charges. The Lord responded, number one, by listening to them. Because one thing is that the accuser is a very funny human being. I used to tell people that the most dangerous lie that anybody can tell is not an outright lie. It's a lie that is sprinkled with an element of truth in it. So it becomes very difficult for you to separate. So what Jesus Christ did when they brought the accusation to him was that he listened to what they had to say. Is it a fact that this woman was caught in adultery? Yes. Is it a fact that this woman is a sin? Yes. Is it a fact that this person, according to the law, has to be stoned? Yes. Jesus listened. And the reason Jesus listened is because accusation, even if it comes from a hypocrite, sometimes have some merits. So when they say something against us, and they say something about us, do not dismiss what is being said offhand. And say, no, it's because they don't like us. Or it's because they are jealous. We don't just dismiss them. You need to listen and find out if there is merit in what has been said. And so Jesus listened to them to find out what the truth of the matter is. Number two, Jesus responded to the accusation by remaining focused. Yes, accusation came. Yes, we might have our own limitation. But that should never distract you from doing what you know to be right. Because accusation has a way of coming into your life and forcing you to go back into your shell. The intention is to be able to intimidate you from not taking the correct action. So when you see a child telling the father, you do not love me anymore. If you love me, you would have bought me a Mercedes Benz, even if your father cannot afford it. And when he starts doing that, he's trying to intimidate that person and force them into compliance. And Jesus said, no, I will listen. I will see if there is merit in what you're saying, but I will not be distracted for what I'm doing. And that is the way the Lord Almighty expects so. So number one, he listened. Number two, he remained undistracted. Number three, Jesus responded to the accuser by delaying his response to their accusation. He delayed his response to the accusation. And he did that because sometimes accusation gain momentum when you respond too fast. When somebody accuses you of something, you have not taken the time to find out what it is. You have not taken the time to find out the detail. And you respond immediately. There is a strong probability that you are going to respond in the wrong way. If you are really serious about this accusation. If you really mean what you are saying. And you are convinced that I am wrong in what I am doing. Then present your fact. Jesus delayed his response to see what his accusers will do. And because they were convinced. They kept on pushing. They kept on pushing. And Jesus knew that when you respond untimely. If you respond in a way that is not properly researched and properly calculated, you will give undue attention to what might be wrong. And that's what Jesus did. And then number four, Jesus responded to the accusers with a challenge. He knew that sometimes accusations need to be confronted for them to be silenced. Yes, they might be true. They might have an element of truth about it. Yes, they might have some validity to their claims. But sometimes you need to challenge that particular claim. To find out if they know exactly what they are talking about. 
to give context to exactly what you're doing. The fact that somebody said XYZ does not necessarily mean that they are telling the truth because they are not seeing it from where you are. So Jesus challenged them with the intention of confronting them and say, hey, you don't just open your mouth and say you are going to kill people. Find out what is going on. And that's why the Bible tells us to say that do not remove the ancient landmarks of which your fathers have put in place. There is a reason why they are there in the first place. Before you begin to take it off, find out what they are doing. Before we criticize anybody, before you begin to knock down anybody, before we suggest stoning the life out of somebody, we need to first of all sit down and ask the question, what is actually going on? Yes, I know I saw what I saw, but what is actually the story behind the story? Is that person being forced? They never asked the question. They just saw that, yes, they are caught. This person is not married, so it must be an adultery. But there are similar things that might be there. And Jesus confronted them. And he knew that because when you confront the accusation, you sometimes end up silencing them because they have no validity behind it. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.